Welcome to the Vinny Rock Podcast. Podcast. I took the blows and did it my way. It's time, the Vinny Rock Podcast. Yeah, what's up at the Vinny Rock Podcast? Holy shit, let me check my levels. Let me get my levels figured out. Um, hey, we're going to get into this. I'm just going to upload my buddy's podcast because I like to tell people the stories that need to be told. And, you know, I think the Vanessa Guillen case has been so fucking sad and unreal. And not even just her, there's several other soldiers out there that have been found missing or called deserted but then found buried and i mean there's so many other things but let's get to this one this is vanessa guillen my boy rod um his podcast i'm going to promote all his stuff um in the notes but you guys enjoy this but first let me get to my sponsors you guys already know core medical group how many people have hit me up in the past two weeks yeah covid19 it has not been good to us the quarantine has not been good to us but you know what is core medical group they're good to us all right, they can take care of you. They can help you drop that extra 19 pounds that we all gained. They can help you get motivated. They can help you get fit as you want because your hormone levels are probably off. All I'm asking, I'm saying, look, if you trust me, if you trust Vincent fucking Vargas, go get your blood work done. If you don't know where to go, hit up Core Medical Group. Oh, my my um, my headset just went out. But um, if you don't know where to go, Core Medical Group. I promise you, they'll get your blood work done. They'll tell you where your levels are at. And if you need help, they'll fix it. Hit up Core Medical Group or hit me up. Let them know I sent you if you just go directly to them. If you want me to give you a number directly to my dude, Mike, hit me up. Yeah. Barry Law. You guys know Barry Law. All you veterans who listen to the show right now that are looking at trying to get their disability or have a disability rating that they're not happy with. The government, for some reason, is not taking care of you. Hit up Barry Law at Barry Law, excuse me, PTSDlawyers.com backslash Rocco. If you use that, PTSDlawyers back, uh, PTSDlawyers.com backslash Rocco. You'll get to Barry Law. And Barry Law, if you guys listened to the podcast before, they have helped people settle some, some unfair decisions and, I mean, changing lives. I'm talking some back pay was $400,000. If that's not going to change your fucking life, if you deserve it, if your father, your, your, your grandfather, if there's someone out there that you know, you're like, you know what? Let's go get a team to fight for me. Go hit up Barry Law. They'll take care of you. Beyond Clothing, you know it. You guys got to check them out. I swear to you, if you check them up on social media, if you check them out on their website, you just watch the company. They they have brand ambassadors all over, and every single one of their brand ambassadors are just incredible studs, and they're, they're kind of like professionals in their field, like their little space. So go hit up Beyond Clothing. You can use promo code Rocco, and you'll get a little deal. Um, really, I just want you guys to know who they are, what they're about, and check them out. It's a multi-layered systems. It's it's jackets. It's it's pants. It's shirts. It's hats. It's a community of fucking badass people. Go check out beyondclothing.com. Oh my goodness, Becky. Look at those chocolates. Yes. Willie Peach chocolates. You already know. Either way. Either way. Either, either way. WillyPeachChocolates.com. Go hit them up. Those are homemade chocolates with different Skullville units. Hot, cold, 
not cold. That's weird. Mild <laughs> and stupid hot. They have it all. You guys will enjoy it. Do me a favor. Just go look at it. Just go look at what he has. Willie Peach Chocolates. Go check them out. GMR Gold. Um, hello. Has anyone been watching the news? Gold prices are through the fucking roof. It's not too late, y'all. Go get your subscription-based model. You got an extra 100 or 200 bucks just sits in the account or just going to get spent on silliness and Starbucks. Use that instead on an investment. Yeah, GMR Gold has a bullion box, $100, $200, $300 monthly subscription. Precious metals sent directly to your house. Yeah, that includes gold and silver. You guys got to check it out. Go check out GMR Gold. I love him. Hit up Charlie on Instagram. He's a stud. He'll explain everything to you. All Answer all the questions you ever need. That's GMR Gold or Bullion Box. Check them out. Perseverance Survival, home of the original Whoopi Hoodie. Winter's coming around fast. Summer's hot, but winter's coming around fast. Don't forget, if it's hot, too hot for a Whoopi Hoodie, well, you can get some Ranger panties. They got all kinds of different colors, shapes, and sizes. You guys will love them. I love them. PerseveranceSurvival.com. Modern Gun School. If you go check out Instagram, it's called Modern Gun School. If you want to go check out just the website, it's www.mgs.edu. Yeah, you could be a armor, a certified armor from the comfort of your own home. Distance Learning Armor School. You can use your GI Bill or your vo- your your vocational rehab. Hey, if you're a civilian, don't have those benefits. You can just call them up. See if it's right for you. They'll send you the kit to your house and you can work on it from your own living room. You don't even have to wear fucking pants. You can get certified. Go check out Modern Guns Gun School. Excuse me, Modern Gun School. You'll love them. And, you know, Warfighter Tobacco, we just got a bunch of cigars. And if you guys haven't tried the Victory Blend, you're crazy. That's a special one that I love personally. You guys, don't forget, we got Veteran all day, every day. We're giving away two custom motorcycles and $20,000 to one winner. How? Well, it's pretty easy. All you got to do is go to the website and buy a shirt. All the shirts on there have a real positive message are all about freaking being a better veteran and not even that, just a good person or just supporting the system and supporting people. Oh, yeah, and there's shirts out there called Free Period. There's no if, ands, or buts about it, baby. Go check out veteran.com. Now we're off to a podcast. I want you guys to watch this, listen to it. I want you guys to follow them. I'm going to put links in the in the in the space so you guys can find more of these pod more of these podcasts and I'm out This is Military Matters. I'm Rod Rodriguez. Vanessa Guillen. She was a daughter, a sister and a soldier. A native of Houston, Texas, as a little girl, she had felt the calling to the uniform, to service. The daughter of Mexican immigrants, Vanessa sought to make the most of the opportunity that is being an American. She wanted to make her parents proud. And like many children of immigrants, she wanted to show them their sacrifices were not in vain. Weeks after graduating high school, an excited Vanessa left to basic training to fulfill her childhood dream and to serve the country that her family believed in. She would become a 91 Fox, small arms repair, and be assigned to the 3rd Cavalry Regiment, Fort Hood, Texas. Vanessa Guillen could never have imagined that her life would find itself cut short at the hands of a fellow soldier on an army installation she thought was safe. April 22nd, Vanessa's sister Myra can't get a hold of her on the phone. The day that Vanessa went missing, her sister had called her 
uh, many times, so did a lot of other people, because she had plans to go on the hike that day. That's Natalie Quam, attorney for the Guillen family. But it was strange that after 12 o'clock, somewhere around then, she never responded to anyone's phone calls or anyone's text messages or anything. And they also noticed that their phone was going straight to voicemail, as was their, their text. Or like it was, it was not being delivered, as you, know, you would see on your iPhone. So that was really concerning. Around 8 o'clock, after you know, a few people called each other, her sister Myra said she called and called, and then she started speaking to other people. Hey, have you been able to reach Vanessa? Then uh, she got a little suspect, and she, called, she said, how do I get in touch with the base to see where she is? Maybe they would know. It's unclear exactly who Myra contacts at Fort Hood, but she's told that she can drive there from Houston, a three-hour drive, and that the person Myra had spoken to would stay up to greet her. When Myra arrives at Fort Hood sometime around 2 a.m., she's told that the individual she spoke to is asleep and to come back at 8 a.m. She comes back at 8 a.m., and of course, they go and they look to her room. She's not in her room. She said that she was greeted by six men. It was kind of intimidating. And she said that it just didn't feel right. Something didn't feel right. Uh, they went to the MP and they you know, did the missing person report. And she said that everyone seemed like surprised. Like they were surprised that she was missing. They didn't hear anything about it. So at this point, Myra is feeling like something's not right. But it was one of the six soldiers that met her to talk about Vanessa's disappearance that really made her uncomfortable. That soldier was specialist Aaron Robinson. You see, Vanessa had told Myra about Robinson. She had told her and other family members that this individual had been harassing her. She was laughing about her sister being missing. In case that last part was a little hard to understand, Robinson was laughing about Vanessa missing. Attorney Natalie Quam emphasized to me that not one of the six individuals who greeted Myra was anyone in Vanessa's leadership. Vanessa is now a missing person. Her family is scared and doing everything they can to find her. According to some reports, what they do find is her wallet and keys in her arms room. But Natalie Qualm describes a different scenario. They held her keys and she told them she'd be right back and never came back. And nobody was, nobody thought about that. They were, they were surprised when her sister comes in and says that she's looking for a sister and she's missing. They had her keys and her wallet. What happens next is baffling to many because it seems like an odd reaction from the army to a missing soldier compared to a missing rifle. You see, when a sensitive item such as a rifle or a night vision goggle is missing, everything immediately gets locked down. Service members scour the area and no one goes home until the item is found. And that just didn't happen with Vanessa. The family didn't even know what was happening. They felt they were being ignored. The family started rallying outside the front gate at Fort Hood, trying to bring attention to Vanessa's disappearance. It wasn't until they sought help from an attorney that the family felt the Army was willing to talk more openly about the investigation. Whenever a soldier goes missing, um, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's a common occurrence. That's Rose Thayer. She's a reporter for Stars and Stripes, who's been covering the Vanessa Guillen story from the very beginning. But it's the same as when adults in the real world go missing. You don't, you see a lot of amber alerts. You see a lot of silver alerts, but you don't see a lot of, hey, a 20 to 30 year old person has gone missing. You know, adults can separate themselves from people if they want to. They can be missing. But in this instance, uh, the military putting this out and then putting the reward on it, it was just different. I think that's really the only way to describe it. Because, you know, um, there's also the parallel 
case of the missing soldier. His name was is Gregory Waddell Morales. And I don't know if I'm saying Waddell correctly. He went missing a, a few months before her. And there wasn't the same release and, and efforts in the beginning in the same way, which is a shame because it seems that something might have happened to him as well, as his remains were also found in Colleen. The town just outside Fort Hood is called Colleen. Colleen is a pretty bad area. Colleen boasts a crime rate averaging somewhere around 77% higher than other U.S. cities. But to its credit, that rate has gone down over the years. But just one drive down Ranser Boulevard is enough to convince you of the toxicity that exists just outside the gate. Unfortunately, Colleen is where the remains of several soldiers have been found recently, such as those of Private Gregory Waddell and PFC Brandon Rosencrans. The search for Specialist Guillen would involve hundreds of volunteers, 500 soldiers from the 3rd Cavalry Division, and hundreds of hours of flight time over search areas. On June 21st, approximately 60 days after Vanessa was reported missing, authorities found the burned remains of a tough box near the Leon River and indications that there had been a decomposing body. Nine days later, someone building a fence out past Belton, Texas, more than 20 miles out from Colleen, finds human remains that would later be identified as those of Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Later, the night that Vanessa's remains were found, the lead suspect in her disappearance, Specialist Aaron Robinson, commits suicide just outside the east gate of Fort Hood. He's found barefoot and armed with a handgun. His girlfriend, Cecily Aguilar, is arrested shortly thereafter and was recently charged with one charge of conspiracy to tamper with documents or proceedings and two charges of tampering with documents or proceedings. So that should be it, right? Open and shut. But it's far from simple. When we return from the break, Natalie Quam finally gets a meeting with the Fort Hood commanders and CID, but it doesn't go the way she thought it would. Also, we'll talk about the allegations that Vanessa Guillen was sexually harassed by Robinson and the Army's response when we return. Cheap Tickets wants to thank you for defending our country all over the world. Cheap Tickets wants to help you take a trip of your own. We believe the best trips in life are cheap. And as a proud supporter of the U.S. military, they want to offer you flights, hotels, car rentals, and even event tickets for less because you deserve it. Visit CheapTickets.com military and take 18% off hotels. Offer is valid for active duty service members, veterans, military reserves, and the National Guard. Cheap Tickets thanks you for your service. CheapTickets.com military. What are you guys going to give us? If you're not going to give us anything, I'm going to go above you and I'm going to go to the secretary's office if you're not going to give me what I need now. So I kind of felt like at this point, we, we needed to come up with a strategy where if they were not going to provide this family the information that they're asking, then we needed to make a lot of noise about it and make sure that this family gets what they need. That's Natalie Quam. She's talking about the lack of information sharing she and her clients, the Guillen family, were receiving from the Army and CID. It's only after they made a lot of noise that she feels a meeting was pulled together to share information. We got to a point where they said, we're going to have a, a meeting, and this was going to be, I think, June 22nd, a meeting on the base, and they invited the congresswoman, they invited the senator's offices, they invited, obviously, me, uh, they invited the family, and uh, they said, we want to meet with you, we want to give you all the information you're asking from us. We get to the base, and there's probably 25 to 50 people over there. The general was there. The grand was there. Colonel was there. 
JAG was there, CID was there. So there was about 25 to 50 people in this, uh, in this meeting. You know, they started going through the timetable of when Vanessa was last seen. And, you know, just information that we were asking about, but they didn't give us any time. So, for example, they gave us a timeline and it was, uh, you know, they checked her in her barracks. And then there's a four check-ins, I understand, in a day. There's a 5 a.m., there's a 9 a.m., there's a 3 p.m., and there's a 4 p.m. Well, I didn't see anything with the 9 a.m. I didn't see anything with the 3 or 4 o'clock uh, p.m. And uh, on that timeline, and they were saying, oh, well, you know, we don't always check people in. It's like, what are you talking about? This is a, the seconds are seconds. You didn't, I mean, I, I actually was shocked that they tried to play it like that. And I go, really? So that's how you run your command? Nobody follows the rules. It's like an anarchy. You could do whatever you want here. And then he goes, well, actually, she was checked in. But um, it was a it was a false accounting of her. I was like, "What?" So now we have a frivolous accounting of, of a human being. Like I started realizing there was more to this place than than I was looking at. We should note that there are no transcripts of this meeting to our knowledge. What was said in that meeting is not publicly available information. What Natalie Quam is describing, though, are daily check-ins. Since COVID began, formations have been discouraged. So soldiers sometimes are required to check in with their leadership through alternate means such as text messages and phone calls. What Kwam has described is a false report of accountability. The question is how that happened. Did her squad leader mistakenly account for everyone? Did someone report for her? We don't know. They didn't have any times um, on that timeline. So they would do the check-in, but they did, they did not show the time that check-in. They would show us... Um, or they would write, you know, she went and filled her gas up in her car at this gas station on the base, but they wouldn't tell us what time she did that. So I asked them, well, why, why won't you tell us what time she filled her gas up? Like, that's just a simple question. And they said, well, we don't want anyone destroying evidence or information. It's an open investigation. Well, that doesn't make sense. It's not like you could destroy uh, an ATM purchase. There's no destroying evidence in this sense. So they were, I don't know if they just didn't know the law or if they were just playing stupid to get around answering us. I got to a point where I felt like we were even we were even more confused with the information and facts they gave us because none of it added up again. Quam and the Gian family were frustrated to say the least with the answers they were getting. So she decided to ask something more routine, like whether or not they had subpoenaed Sprint, Vanessa's mobile carrier for her phone records. So I said to them, I said, did you, did you subpoena Sprint? Because that was the phone that she used. And they wouldn't tell me whether they, she subpoenaed Sprint. I said, listen, I need to know this information because I need to know what I need to subpoena. You know, if, I, if you didn't subpoena, I'll subpoena Sprint and I'll give you what they give me. But if you already did that, I don't want to duplicate you know, your work either. But they wouldn't tell us. So I realized at this point, it's the missing person situation. They're supposed to be sharing this information. You know, when people go missing, it's supposed to be everyone's all hands on deck. Everyone's supposed to be looking. But in this case, they didn't want to share information, which made me really concerned. No times, no information on what's being looked into. Nothing. Quam is hitting wall after wall. It was obvious to her that this meeting was intended to be more of a display of cooperation than it was an actual discussion of facts and information sharing. So she decides to offer information instead of asking for it. She shares with the room the family's thoughts on the matter, specifically about Robinson. We told them that we believe that Aaron Robinson was the person that was, because they wouldn't tell us who she worked with that day either. So we believe that 
we understand that he worked with her that day. We believe that he did something to her and he took off base. And we, and we said, this is the same guy that was sexually harassing her. So they said, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll note that. We'll note that. So, I mean, either they played dumb, again, going back to the whole, either they played dumb or they really, really were like completely clueless. Like many of you, I've also seen procedural cop shows. And one of the most often repeated phrases is the cops can't talk about, quote, ongoing investigations. I asked Natalie Quam if this wasn't actually normal for the police to do. This was, after all, an open investigation. Wouldn't the police be legally obligated to not disclose the details of this case? No, it's, I mean, you would think that they were, the way they acted, you would have thought they were the ones who committed the crime, like they were defending themselves or they were trying to obstruct us from being able to do any kind of research. But it's just bizarre. I've never seen anything like this because I work with U.S. attorneys all the time. We're very transparent with what we're, who's opinion, what, what we're deposing. We want to work together. And this is quite the opposite. It's like, we're supposed to be working together, but they don't want to work together. And it's not like they have a choice. They're supposed to, when they said to me, oh, well, you know, this is an open investigation, so we can't share this information. Well, actually, that's not true. You can, the, the command actually has uh, the discretion to do that, first of all. And secondly, when it's a missing person case, they're supposed to share the information. This is not like, you know, some kind of criminal case where someone stole something. This is a missing person case. It's not even a rule or law to not share information with an investiga open investigation. And even if it was a rule or law, it's, you could waive it. You know, so it's like they were just really, I don't, again, going back to the whole, I don't know what they were hiding. This meeting happened on June 22nd, two months after Vanessa went missing. But when this meeting happened, a day or two prior to that meeting, Army investigators had found a burn site with a disposed of tough box near the Leon River. Both of their cell phones uh, were searched, um, a forensic search, and pinged as being out in this location on the Leon River. That's Rose Thayer again, reporter for Stars and Stripes. The two cell phones she's talking about belonged to Robinson and his girlfriend, Cicely Aguilar. Aguilar is the estranged spouse of a former Fort Hood soldier. That relationship comes into play later. Which is what brought Texas EquiSearch and, and other investigative teams and agencies out there. And they found um, the lid of a plastic tough box that had been partially burned. And they found evidence of a burn site, but they couldn't find um, any evidence of, of Vanessa there beyond that. So Natalie Quam's notion that some of the folks at the meeting were playing dumb isn't that far off point, it seems. One look at Vanessa's phone records, the same records they wouldn't tell the family lawyer whether they'd subpoenaed or not, would show that Robinson was not only the last person to see her alive, but that he was also the last person she had communicated with. During the time frame that investigators knew something had happened to Vanessa, you would see Robinson had communicated with Cecily Aguilar, his girlfriend. Follow the tower pings of the two that night, and you're led right to the site where the tough box is found burned. Let's go back to that meeting for a moment. Natalie Quam doesn't know any of this yet, but the folks across the table do. When she told them about Vanessa's sexual harassment claim to her family. You know, this guy was sexually harassing her. And, you know, did you look into this issue? And they said, no, we didn't look into it. We, and we said, why not? Well, sexual harassment is not criminal. That was literally the response that came out of their mouth. And I was a little confused, like, 
we have a missing person here. What did you want to? What did you want to look into that so we can understand? You know, because that may have led to a disappearance or some kind of, you know, bad situation, bad blood or something. I don't know. So it was really like this attitude of, you know, that's as as you could see, it's not taken serious at the base, and they question it all. Like they don't. They don't want to ever admit to anything, uh, you know, whether a sexual harassment or not. They're never going to admit to it. And when I asked them, you know, so then that's when the colonel was like, well, I'll take it serious and I'll, I'll do my own investigation. Well, wow, dude, you're like 60 days out here. Like she's missing 60 days. And now you want to take it serious? Like it was really shocking the way that they were just, they, it's almost like they had their own rules. So why didn't Vanessa ever file a sharp complaint against Robinson? Why is this coming out now after she's been missing and authorities are withholding information about the investigation from the family's attorney? The family had in fact mentioned that Vanessa had been sexually harassed by an NCO, but Vanessa had reported it through Sharp, the Army's Sexual Harassment Assault Response and Prevention Program. So why didn't she report Robinson? Simply put, Vanessa was scared to report. According to her family, she was terrified of retaliation, of being called a liar, and what it would do to her career. Remember, at the time she told her family about Robinson, she was a private. This reason for not reporting is all too familiar, and after this detail came to light, countless service members began to come forward under the hashtag IamVanessaGuillen, telling their stories of why they were afraid. What's even more disturbing about the sexual harassment claim by the family is the subsequent response they received from the army. No, no, there's no sexual harassment. What do you mean there's no sexual... She just got murdered. I, mean, I think it's beyond that now. Okay, guys, I mean, you don't think it's sexual harassment, but the guy murdered her? Like, it's just bizarre. And then they came back with the most recent report saying that, yes, they looked into it and she was harassed. Uh, we believe she was harassed, but not sexually harassed. Uh, and then when asked further about the harassment, they, they said, well, you know, there, it was vulgarity that was used and uh, some some sexual uh, explicit language used. But it was a mis misunderstanding. It's not sexual harassment. Wait a second. When somebody harasses someone and their sexual conduct and language being used, we call that sexual harassment. So we, I get it. That base, that command, or maybe the system at home is just broken. When we come back, what happened the day Vanessa was killed? When we return. Now more than ever, you need reliable news you can count on. Since 1861, Stars and Stripes has been committed to bringing you the news without the spin. We believe in the First Amendment, and we're damn proud to have been there alongside you wherever you were deployed, keeping you connected. Today, we're only a click away. Go to stripes.com, use promo code podcast, and get 50% off your subscription. 50% off. There are some folks out there that think Stars and Stripes is a little old-fashioned. Well, folks, maybe right now, we need a little old-fashioned. Go to stripes.com and get reconnected with a legacy of news without the spin. Stripes.com. Stars and Stripes reporter Rose Thayer has been covering the Vanessa Guillen story since it first started making headlines. I asked her to help walk me through the day Vanessa went missing. We know that she was called into work on her day off. It's not clear who called her in exactly. So based on the federal court records again, the last text messages that Vanessa sent were to him. Rose is referring to Robinson. 
so as her in her job as a small arms repairer and the forward support company, the way I understand uh, her job would have worked is other arms rooms within her squadron and other companies could could put in a request for her to come work on weapons in their unit because she would be more specialized um, than the people they may have working. So on on the day she went missing, she had been working in her arms room with the forward support company, Troop A, which is where uh, Specialist Robinson worked. She needed to go over there to read serial numbers, look at equipment, something like that. So she went over there and she left all of her her personal items in her arms room and went to that other room. Like we said earlier, attorney Natalie Quam offers a different scenario to this, but let's continue. And so they knew he was the last person that she had spoken to. They knew he was the last person to have seen her. He told investigators two days after she went missing, two or three days, oh, uh, we talked and she went to the motor pool. But the motor pool never never saw her. Witnesses there said she never arrived. They're waiting for the paperwork that she would have brought to them. So yes, they knew Specialist Robinson was the last person at work to see her. On May 18th, um, there was an interview with witnesses who said they saw Robinson moving a, a tough box that looked heavy from the arms room to his vehicle late at night. And so on May 19th is when they searched his phone records. May 19th is when they finally searched his phone records, almost a month after Vanessa was reported missing. But let's go back to the arms room. According to accounts from Aguilar, Robinson attacks Vanessa in his arms room shortly after Vanessa arrives. She gets murdered in the armory room. No one sees anything. No one hears anything. By the way, we're talking about 43 minutes best. 43 minutes. Could have been less time, which is impossible. But 43 minutes, I'm just giving her the maximum amount of time that this could have happened. He tells her, he puts her in a Pelican case, cleans up the room. And then he rolls her body out. All of this is in 43 minutes. And then locks it, you know, that's the, the reason why we know this is because when he put the code in, the code shows that 1113, he put the code in. So her body was already out, out, by the way, in the hallway. No one saw her body in the hallway, bloody. In, I mean, I'm not getting this. And ready for this? Uh, so he supposedly cleans up this whole room. But I said, but there's no cleaning supplies to that place. I didn't see any. And he said, well, First not, he would have had to go to the supply room, which is down, the, down a few buildings down. So I'm like, wait a second. So you're going to tell me he kills her, goes to a supply room, checks out supplies, comes back all this in 43 minutes, doesn't put no way, Jose. Something is really, he just leaves a bloody mess in the room. I mean, the, the, you understand what I'm saying? Like, this is not adding up. It makes no sense to me. It, there has to be some accomplice or some help or some assistance or some covering up. Natalie Quam takes issue with another critical aspect concerning that arms room and the investigation. Why it took them 72 days after confession of the murder to Blue Star the room? Quam is referring to Blue Star, a latent blood detection tool that illuminates bloodstains under a UV light. It can make bloodstains down to one ten thousandth dilutions visible to the naked eye. That means minute traces or droplets that have been washed off with or without detergent become visible. And they said it lit up. The whole room lit up. There was blood all over the room. So can you explain to me how nobody would have just even thought about, since they knew about it the whole time, that she was the last place she was in the um, arms room? 
why would they not have restarted earlier? And then how did he clean it all up? She's murdered and the room is cleaned up and her body's removed and he locks the door all within 43 minutes. Is that possible? So I asked, how is that possible? Like to murder someone, like you take a hammer to the head, you know, there's there's blood all over the room. That means there definitely was a fight and, you know, she was whatever happened. I'm not sure I don't even like think about it, but that definitely wouldn't have been easy to kill her with a hammer that, and you definitely would have heard screaming. And you definitely, and by the way, this is the glass. I like when we went through it, it's glass, right? Window or whatever. So like you can kind of see things happening in that room. It's all window, that room. So no one saw. So no one heard or saw anything according to investigators so far. Aguilar insists that she was not present during Vanessa's attack. She does, however, provide a motive, a motive she heard from Robinson. Aguilar told investigators that uh, Vanessa Guillen had seen a picture of her on Robinson's cell phone and that she wanted to report him for adultery because uh, Vanessa knew Aguilar to be the wife of a former Fort Hood soldier. So that that's a, a theory that CID has given the attorney of the Guillen family. So, of course, when the family hears this, they're like, that's not Vanessa. Why would she ever say? Why would she even care? How would she even know Aguilar to even know she's married? So the story doesn't stick. What we believe is that he must have said this to Aguilar because what we believe is, is that he was probably putting on Vanessa again or doing something to Vanessa again. But, of course, if he's killed Vanessa and needs help disposing of her body... He's not going to call his girlfriend, Cecily, and say, hey, honey, uh, I just sexually harassed Vanessa again, and she rejected me, and I murdered her. Can you help me get rid of her body? No. But she'd be like, what are you talking about? You're sexually harassing? What he did is he used a, a very self-serving statement by saying, I, she saw a picture of you and said she was going to report us, and I did this for you. And that's what she tells the police. Of course, that's hearsay on hearsay so and it just doesn't stick because it's not her it's not Vanessa's personality to do that and why would she even care they weren't even in a relationship or friendship or anything like that so that's why the story doesn't stick it's at this point that a witness sees Robinson move a heavy tough box into his truck from the arms room which that alone should have sounded some alarms but nevertheless he's seen moving the tough box which finds its way to the location near the river investigators would later find just a day later, Robinson would be one of the six soldiers that greets Vanessa's sister Myra when she arrives at Fort Hood looking for her sister. Now, this is the part of the story that gets even more difficult to follow. According to Natalie Quam, Robinson had been confined to the barracks, but not for suspicion of murder, but because he had been breaking rules related to COVID-19. They had someone guard him because... Over the last several weeks, they said, you know, there was that spike with the COVID and they put rules on base that nobody leave the base. And supposedly he was violating the rules for several weeks, several times. And so they had a guard to guard him. So he stopped violating the COVID rules. So and supposedly that they had him for adultery. They were trying to hold him or, you know, guard him for adultery or something about adultery. So I said adultery. I mean, you have a murderer here and you're trying to get him on adultery. It's like, I, just that was just baffling. Um, and so, and even, 
even with that, so they, and then he was supposedly on suicide watch and that's why he was on foot. He didn't have any shoes on. Robinson would later leave a little after midnight after Vanessa's remains were found. He would leave on foot brandishing a firearm and when confronted by police, would commit suicide. But if the soldier is suspected of murder, why wasn't he arrested or detained? Why only confined to the barracks? The strangest thing that they told us, and I thought strange, was that the day that he killed himself, that, that evening that he killed himself, that was when they found the remains, you know, they found the remains the day before. They had a confession from the accomplice, and yet they tried to get a warrant for his arrest, and the base denied the warrant for his arrest. The base, the base lawyer. When we come back, new legislation is being introduced in honor of Vanessa Guillen that could change the way sexual harassment would be handled in the military. And what's next in this case when we return? Now more than ever, you need reliable news you can count on. Since 1861, Stars and Stripes has been committed to bringing you the news without the spin. We believe in the First Amendment, and we're damn proud to have been there alongside you wherever you were deployed, keeping you connected. Today, we're only a click away. Go to stripes.com, use promo code podcast, and get 50% off your subscription. 50% off. There are some folks out there that think Stars and Stripes is a little old-fashioned. Well, folks, maybe right now, we need a little old-fashioned. Go to stripes.com and get reconnected with a legacy of news without the spin. Stripes.com. The Defense Department's annual report on sexual assault in the military said there were 7,825 cases of sexual assault reported in the fiscal year 2019, up 3% from 6,326 reported in 2018. Every branch had an increase in reports except the Marine Corps, which was down 6%. Now, it's important to remember that an increase in reporting doesn't mean that there are more incidents. It simply means that they're being reported more often. What is alarming is the continued reluctance by service members to provide unrestricted reporting. Those are the kind of reports that allow investigations and legal proceedings. One of the major criticisms of the system currently in place is that the current standard within the military is that sexual harassment and assaults are investigated by the military. We need military reform. We need legislative reform. There should not be a person on that base that is worried about reporting something. I don't care if it's discrimination, if it's retaliation, if it's uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault. They need to change the order there. That is, doesn't work. It hasn't worked. Why do you think if you go to a hashtag I am Vanessa Gain, you see all these stories of all these soldiers uh, that come out and tell their story about what happened after they reported or when they reported it, they were blackballed, they were isolated, they were, uh, you know, told they're a horde. I read these stories and it just, it, it, make, it makes me want to vomit. It makes me so ill to think that these women and men who went in to come, go and serve our country come out so broken and not broken by some, some bullet, but broken by the system, by the retaliation. As for Fort Hood, so I can tell you the Army still has some investigations or some inspections, as they're calling it, that they're doing on their own. Um, the Fort Hood commander has asked for Forces Command to send their inspector general down to inspect 
the SHARP program at Fort Hood, the Sexual Harassment and Assault Response and Prevention Program. And so those, they, the, it was a team of seven people came down to Fort Hood from Fort Bragg. They spent four days uh, leading up to a holiday weekend uh, inspecting the program. So we don't know when their findings will be put out, um, but that is ongoing. And we're told uh, by the Fort Hood base commander that he, um, that that criminal investigation includes looking into the chain of command um, in the 3rd Cavalry Regiment to understand um, what, what could have gone wrong. So what now? Robinson is dead. Aguilar is facing a maximum of 20 years and there's no bringing Vanessa back. Where do we go from here? Rose Thayer. Uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and uh, Representative Jackie Spear sent a very detailed list of questions to the DOD Inspector General that they want reviewed. And 87 members of the House um, agreed with that, you know, both parties. Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> a lot of people agreeing in Congress. So I, I think next steps could be a congressional inquiry, the DOD inspector general looking further into how the investigation and the search was handled. And then you've also got a push from female veterans out who are outside of the military now, but are sharing their own stories. Um, and they really see how they could have been Vanessa Guillen. And they're taking this very personal and they're taking action. Um, there's a, a petition, a letter, uh, it's a grassroots movement and it's got about 2,500 signatures. Now it's a letter calling for, for several changes to be made. And, um, uh, I, I think it, it could gain traction. Um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, July 30th, you know, is where we're going to have our March at 9am. I'm going to be introducing our our legislation, you know, the hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen. We're going to have some congressmen and senators uh, speak. And then we are, um, you know, and obviously uh, Vanessa's family, safety words. And we will be marching from the Capitol Dome uh, after this press conference at about 10 a.m. We'll go from the Capitol to the White House. And it's going to be a peaceful protest to support the bill and, you know, military reform. And obviously, uh, justice for Vanessa. We reached out to Fort Hood Public Affairs. We received no reply. Vanessa Guillen was 20 years old. My son is 20 years old. He's also a service member. There are a lot of differences between my son and Vanessa. I've never had to talk to my son about being sexually harassed, much less sexually assaulted. I'm aware that it happens to men, too, but not often enough for me to worry about it. But I know that's a conversation that happens all too often among women. As a military parent, I do reflect on the possibility my son may not come home from a deployment. But the death of Vanessa Guillen gave me pause to consider getting the news he didn't come home from garrison. This is by far one of the hardest stories I've ever tried to tell. It's fraught with emotion, complex timelines, and fallible humans, all entangled in a bureaucracy layered in secrecy and military regulations. Vanessa Guillen. She was a daughter, a sister, and a soldier. 
No matter how horrible her story ended, we have to remember the woman she was, the life she lived, and the service that was cut far too short. Vanessa can't speak for herself anymore. She can't tell her story in her own words. It's up to us to carry her story, to make the changes that will keep our sons and daughters in uniform safe. We are all Vanessa Guillen. I took the blow.